On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, we take the 10,000-foot view of all the Toronto Raptors wheeling and dealing over the course of this season. How are things shaping up now compared to where they were two months ago, eight months ago, a year ago? We'll get into all that on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, February the 9th. The trade deadline is mercifully behind us, and I am your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that sucks and is mean, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and it's a great little community we got building around the show full of little sickos just like you who love trades, who love uh, watching the Raptors despite them not being very good and all that good stuff. We got like a food chat in there. We were talking about bun me sandwiches yesterday. It's great. Come hang out in the Locked on Raptors Discord. It's free to join, and we'd love to see you join us over there. You can, of course, find the show for free wherever you get your podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend on the audio side of things, and you can join us on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the channel, hit the little notification bell, and you'll get a heads up via push notification that the show is premiering every single time it hits the channel. So go and do that, of course. Uh, and let's get to it. On today's show, we are talking all about the deadline now. The dust is settling Figure we're going to get Kelly Olenek and Ochai Abaji debuting tonight for the Raptors. Spencer Dinwiddie, his Raptors tenure over, seems like maybe he's headed to the Mavs. We'll see. Uh, but we are going to take that 10,000-foot view. Talk a little about the Canadian angle and the Raptors maybe targeting dudes with the passport. Uh, you know, and whether that's a strategy that's worthwhile going forward. And talk a little bit, a bit about some lineups we're excited to see from this new-look version of the team. We'll do all of that with a first-time guest the wonderful Zulfi Sheikh from Sportsnet. Uh, Zulfi, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Love me some banh mi sandwiches as well, so it's a great way to start the show. <laughs> Look, man, if I could do an entire podcast about sandwiches, I would. I might someday. It might be like a Patreon exclusive. We'll see. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see if the Raptors like keep on being bad. It might force a pivot <laughs> in my coverage. Either way, Zulfi, let's begin by you know like a lot of ha- a lot has happened over the last 6 weeks right yeah. lots of guys in and out and i think it's worthwhile to just kind of hop in the little biplane fly up in the air get a nice birds eye view of everything that's gone on for the raptors over the last couple of months and just kind of assess how we feel about it um over the course of the last couple of months, out, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, Malachi Flynn, Dennis Schroeder, Thad Young, Otto Porter, Kyra Lewis, and that LA Clippers, Oklahoma City Thunder first round pick that they sent to the Jazz yesterday. In, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Kelly Olinick, Ochai Abaji, Jordan Wara, Bruce Brown, the Pacers first this year, the 2026 Pacers first, the Pistons second in this year's draft as well. Zulfi, how are we feeling about all of this? It's a lot of change. Big picture, though, 
Do you feel like the Raptors are in a better spot now than they were a couple of months back? Are they in a worse position? What's your overall view on how things have gone here, how the Raptors have handled the transaction window? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I guess it depends on how you want to define better and (laughs) in like what context. Because if we're going on the court, then no, I don't think. Oh, yeah, they stink. Yeah, they're really bad. And they gave away some very, very talented players, especially in OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. But I think they're in a clearer spot in terms of the direction they want to go to. And by no means do I think they have a clear direction. And this trade deadline kind of made that a bit more evident. But I think they, from my understanding of the whole situation, is they're really buying into this idea of a retool because Mm -hmm. it seems like the ceiling of the previous iteration of this team with OG and Pascal was just something they, one, didn't really want to pay to keep, and two, didn't think was maybe as high as they wanted. And they're hoping with this new core, especially building around Scotty Barnes, eventually is going to have that ceiling of either a title contender or a team ready enough to then add that last piece, like a Kawhi Leonard in that case to be mm-hmm. a telecontender. So I think in the sense that like these deals are setting them up for that. And uh, I think they're more, they're definitely more in retooled and full rebuild, which is why they went with some of these younger guys. And then now like with this trade deadline that just happened and the guys, they added Ochai and Kelly and even keeping Bruce, it feels like they're, they want to be competitive again, a lot sooner than maybe a full five year rebuild per se, especially with Scotty Barnes contract extension coming up. And I think it's interesting to keep in mind his first two years, it's not like we're starting from ground zero where Scotty had to go through rebuilding teams. He's in the playoffs right. as a rookie, play in second year. He's definitely going to be somebody who wants to be competitive sooner rather than later, especially when he's on that second deal. So I think it's been clear, at least in the sense that the Raptors aren't going full tank. They're not trying to rebuild from the ground up. They're trying to retool this thing as fast as possible. And now they're working around the fringes to hopefully do that around Scotty. Yeah, like recentering has been the word that I've used to sort of describe what they're doing. And I think yesterday's moves were very much in line with that. I think it's pretty clear to me. Like you said, there's not a clear direction. I kind of think there maybe is a pretty clear direction here, which is Scotty Barnes is the guy. We know this. Quickly and Barrett are going to be supplementary guys. And from there, we don't want to have a hapless team that can't play normal basketball and have proper developmental reps. We actually want to put in place a roster with players who can support the young ascending players that are already on the roster. And I think you make a good point. Like Scotty Barnes is in year three. He's going to be in year four next year. He's 18 months away from being very expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Like the clock is ticking. The clock is always ticking when you have a, a potentially ascendant star And I think if you're a guy who's making the all-star game in year three, injury reserve or not, like that suggests that's the type of player that the clock is ticking for. And you have to start putting something around him that's going to bear fruit down the line. And I just don't think I agree with their lack of appetite for many years of garbage ball, hoping and praying that the lottery gods are your friends. They've already gotten the lottery luck that you hope to get, which is they got Scotty Barnes via the lottery and now it's about filling it around him and i think overall they've done a pretty good job of doing that i mean getting quickly in barrett the og trade is just like that's a perfect trade frankly it sucks to lose og he would be ideal on this basketball team as the fifth starter it's hilarious um but getting quickly in barrett has just been an absolute uh i think score for the raptors and that's great the siakam return i'm still meh on i, I just I think if their intent was to stay good, I still think keeping Siakam around with this team would have been a better avenue to doing that. But I get the financial reasons why they made the trade. And I will say, like, you look up now, this was a team that was expensive, that had contractual things hanging over them. 
that didn't have a ton of draft picks to go and work with. They had the pick outlay to the Spurs, and that was all hanging over them. You look now, and like there are kind of open roads in front of this team. The salary cap is pretty clear going forward. It can be even clearer if they want it to be this summer. Obviously, Bruce Brown's contract plays into all of this. Maybe they still find a landing spot for Chris Boucher at the draft or something like that. Um, but like they very clearly have set themselves up to be flexible. And I was talking about this yesterday, and I'm curious what you think. Like, do you feel like I don't know if this is intentional or not, but they seem to have kind of put themselves into a spot where they can be one of the beneficiaries of the second apron coming in and squeezing teams this summer and putting themselves in, an, in a place where they can be opportunistic if players shake loose that either can be attached with picks to sort of rent cap space or to just get good players on the team to help bolster the Scotty timeline. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I think you're spot on in the sense that they're kind of being preemptive about it and they're trying to be ready for that to be the case. There's obviously been some really big spending teams at the top and now they're going to start being penalized for that a lot more. And that is good for smaller market teams. Not that Toronto is a small market, but for teams that maybe don't have that same level of spending or advantage. So then Toronto, if they are doing that, I think are being very savvy in that sense where they can come in and get maybe some more talent that they otherwise couldn't because other teams aren't able to spend as much. Again, going into this situation, it's new for a lot of teams. Those top spending teams, the teams lower down, they're all going to have to adjust and figure this out. So being ready for that, giving yourself options and flexibility, I think is smart. And uh, like you said, maybe they decide to keep up Bruce Brown or they try to work something, even a guy like Jordan Warwick, Gary Trent, all these unrestricted free agents coming up. It gives them the options to either one, retain them, or two, they can try to snatch somebody up because the bigger spending teams just can't because of the second apron. So I think it's it's smart to put yourself in a position where you have flexibility and options. And for a guy in Masai Ujiri, whose tenure here hasn't really been riddled with rebuilding years, I mm -hmm. think it's good that if you are going to have that experience for maybe your first time with this team, is to give yourself as many options in that space as possible. For sure. And I think, you know, just to kind of close off here, grand scheme, the, the, like what they've done this last little bit doesn't take away all of the mistakes that led them to the spot. And I think the sort of underwhelming feeling that you get from the Siakam trade that you just sort of get maybe from the general state of things right now is the team is losing a bunch of games, didn't add like a boatload of new picks to the draft cupboard. They added a couple and that's nice. And they used one to get a decent player who they figure to keep. Um, but I, I think there's been a pretty decent unwinding of the corner they sort of painted themselves in, like the position they kind of put themselves in. Like they've now, the paint is dried. They've been able to step out of the corner, I think. And I think even if on pure value, they didn't get back for OG and Siakam on the whole, what you'd hope to get back for OG and Siakam on the whole, I think the raw value of being in this spot where there is more flexibility, where they aren't painted into a corner with very few options, I think that has to be kind of baked into the calculus of, did the Raptors win these trades or not? Um, that's just kind of, I, I think, where we're at. I, I don't love how we got here, but I'm actually feeling kind of rosy about where things sit now um, as we look ahead to the summer and, and beyond that. And frankly, the last 31 games of this season, I'm quite looking forward to getting actual players uh, together who know they're on the team and running out lineups. Like, that's going to be sweet. We will talk about lineups later on. But first, Zelby, we're going to get into some talk about Canada, baby. Uh, and uh, whether or not this sort of last couple of months signals a shift in the Raptors' talent accrual strategy. We'll get to that coming up in just one second.
But first, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up all season long with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all year. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who our boy Josh has picked out on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Lots of different guys here. There's Taylor Hendricks getting some run with the Utah Jazz now that Kelly Olynyk's been moved. You've got Asar Thompson doing stuff for the Pistons who just can't stop winning. That pick is not going to be as good as we want it to be. Oh, no. But I'm going to go with our guy, Ben Matherin. We're talking about Canadians. Buddy Heald is now in Philadelphia. Matherin's playing next to Pascal Siakam. We know Siakam's really good at diamond dudes up. We know Tyrese Halliburton's really good at diamond dudes up. There could be a real run here for Ben Matherin to go and score some buckets and become a really big part of that Pacers rotation going forward. So he is the pick this week among the guaranteed fits of the week. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has got it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Continuing on here with your first listen of the day, joined by Zelfie Shake of Sportsnet, doing lots of great stuff over there, writing, covering games. It's a beautiful thing to see a credentialed Zelfie. Uh, of course, we go back to this past summer where we were working together with CBL stuff, and hopefully again this summer as well. CBL, baby, let's go. Um, but uh, for now, we're talking about the Toronto Raptors, who... After being a franchise for 30 years and you know, sort of having Canadians on the team, it seems like there may actually be a shift going on here where the combination of there's enough talent in the NBA to actually go and target Canadian players because there's just a lot of them around the league and some of them shake loose, a la Kelly Olynyk or RJ Barrett, and maybe just sort of the shifting winds of free agency, free agency being kind of dead, and, you know, the Raptors obviously never being a huge player in free agency to go and get players on the team. Bobby Webster talked about this yesterday, the sort of notion of getting players on the team who want to be here, a valuable thing in a league where whims of players are constantly shifting and hanging on to players is hard, contracts are short, etc. So, Zolfi, do you feel like we've seen the beginning of a shift toward like a directive from the front office to go and target Canadian players when they're out searching? And do you think that's a viable strategy for team building? Yeah, personally, I think it's definitely something they're kind of keeping in mind. And I don't want to go as far as say completely prioritizing, but sure. it's something where like, if they do see it, it's like, why not? I think uh, Michael Grange mentioned it yesterday. where like, if a guy's Canadian versus another player out there, and that's the kind of tiebreaker, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it's, it's come to a point where like the, basketball in this country and the talent pool in this country has grown to the point where I kind of see it as like they, this team can finally cash that check and mm -hmm. have that 5% advantage when it comes to talking to some people and retaining them. So they haven't had that in the past. And I think it's one of those things where if you can have that now, why not? 
And uh, I, the biggest part of it is like, these are guys who are going to be excited to be here, even when the team necessarily isn't the best, which it's not at this current state. So mm-hmm. having guys to be here to set a culture, be excited, talk to other players coming in. Cause with a young team, that's kind of figuring it out. A lot of players are probably going to be moving in and out of this, uh, this system and this team. So bi- building a culture through that can be kind of difficult, but then if you have more veteran players, like RJ Barrett's pretty young, but he's already on a second contract. Kelly Linick is obviously been in this league over 30, but those are two guys who can speak to those new players, kind of help them acclimate. And you know, they're going to be excited to be here no matter what, because they're in a home situation and they're comfortable with it. So I think it's one of those things where I, uh, Toronto wants to kind of take advantage of that. Now that the talent pool is still, is there and it's one of the and it's also that the teams can be good while they're doing it or like get better because kelly olenic and rj barrett are two very talented players this would yeah. be very different if we were talking about they were adding andrew nicholson back in the day or even when they brought in <laughs> ken birch right so now the anthony like, bennett's uh yeah. like a little flirtation what a fun time <laughs> yeah exactly uh so if we were bringing those guys in then it'd be a very much it feel gimmicky but it's not they're taking care of the on-court stuff we talked about how kelly Olenek can be a very good fit when you mentioned earlier i even wrote down in my notes that i think he works perfectly for all three of these players in terms of emmanuel quickly rj barrett and uh scotty barnes so mm-hmm. it's gonna work on the court but also the fact that you're gonna have a guy here who's excited he can acclimate really well. You don't really have to worry about getting Kelly comfortable in this situation because he already knows most of Toronto. And then he can help set a culture. I think that's super important. And if you can use that even 5% built-in advantage of your country, which you haven't really been able to in the past, then why not do it? Yeah, I, I do think we have to ensure that they're taking new players uh, to to town to better restaurants than Osmos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that we can sort that out. We can put a plan in place there. Maybe Kelly O has some Scarborough spots. Maybe he'll start taking people to the Real Jerk or something like that. Then we're really yeah. talking here. Uh, you know, just yeah. My first trip, if I were Kelly Olynyk, would be to just like bring someone to Jerk King or something like that. And just, this is life now. You're gonna love <laughs> it here. Uh, <laughs> Make sure they on, stay RJ, for the summer. Get it together. <laughs> As long as you make them stay here for the summer, experience Carabana a little bit, get some right? eats and stuff. They got Grady uh, for that too. Exactly, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the selling point. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I think in general, it makes sense. Uh, you have to avoid, like you should be using this probably, and this is not something I like to say because it means players are getting paid less than they're worth. But like if you're using it as a way to like not pay the Toronto tax to keep players in town, I think that's smart. You know, I think they misfired on, say, the Ken Birch thing where it was like, he wants to be here. Let's also give him all of these guaranteed years, a kind of a crazy amount of money for Ken Birch. Like, you can't have that become a regular thing where you're just like paying the premium in sort of a different way where it's like, you're a Canadian. We'll take care of you. So it's got to be, you know, they can't get crazy with it. But I do think as just a means of building up a team, it's a perfectly viable strategy. Do I think it's the way you want to go to like get your best players? Probably not, because that mostly is going to require lining yourself up to try to sign guys in free agency. And we've seen that is a road wrought with potholes and sinkholes and uh, chasms into which you can fall. And so, like, I don't think as much as everyone's like, Shay, Shay, get Shay, sign Shay someday, uh, you know, lining up whenever he's a free agent, 2028 or whatever it might be, um, like, I don't think you can go about building your team with that much focus on we're going to get all the Canadian guys because it's hard to do that. And if you fail and you set yourself up to be a free agent destination and don't do it, you become the post Giannis pursuit Raptors. You become the post DeAndre Jordan pursuit Mavericks. You become the Knicks for the last many years up until the last couple. 
Like you don't want to be this team that's just like, oh, well, we'll sign that guy. That's well, that's our team building plan is we'll sign somebody. And so for the top end talent guys, I don't know if that's the move unless like, you know, Shea looks around and says, all my Canadian team buddies are playing for Canada. Trade me there, Sam Presti, which I can't see happening considering how good that Thunder team is. But um, that's to me the the sort of the limit of it is you don't want to yeah. be totally selling your soul to only go get the Canadians on the team because that feels like you said, gimmicky and not like proper team building, but using this as a tool and using your advantages as the lone Canadian team, I think that's a perfectly viable thing. We do also have to, I think, bake in the expectation that not everybody wants to play at home, right? Like, yeah, that's true. I, I guess that's sort of like a, a thing here as well is like, you know, someone, some guys don't want the hassle of getting tickets for friends or whatever it is. So um, any last sort of parting shots on this team, on the Canada, team Canada, AKA the Raptors sort of crossover <laughs> thing they got going on here. Yeah. I, I think you put it like really well in the sense that like, you don't want this to be a means of like tr- talent acquisition, like in terms of kind of how you try to like lure free agents and recruit and stuff like that per se. Cause yeah, a, a, when it comes to the top end talent, especially again, like an SGA, they're going to be thinking a lot more than just like, Oh, I'm going back home to Canada. Sure. May be a factor, but it's definitely going to be a lot more about the basketball of it all, you'd think, than just like whether their buddies are playing on a team. Uh, so I think if you're trying to make it that as your strategy, it's not necessarily as effective. But when it comes to a culture setting thing, I think that's where the whole Canadian side of it can matter more. Like you said, maybe retaining some of these guys easier, but having guys here who are excited because this team is trying to build a new culture, like the We the North culture, the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan set, that, and it's complete, not completely gone, but basically gone because you yeah, have Pascal. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you have Pascal and OG out the door. Those guys are going. So you have to start something new, and a really easy way to kind of jumpstart that is by having guys who understand what Toronto is about, who can speak to it confidently and passionately, and who don't need to take time to figure that out. Like even Scotty Barnes, I'm sure he's excited to be here, but he's only in year three here. Versus a guy like mm-hmm. RJ and even Kelly Olynyk, the second he steps foot back on this team, he's probably going to know more about the city than even Scotty Barnes has <laughs> for three seasons. So having guys like that with experience and who are confident in talking about the city, I think is super important for setting a culture. Hundred uh, percent. We'll leave it there for now, as the Raptors' pursuit of more Canadian dudes will have to wait till the summer. They got three of them now, which is pretty fun, and uh, maybe those three will share the floor at some point. That is a tease, baby. As we're going to come back on the other side and get into some lineup combinations, we are now excited to watch. Now that we know who is actually playing for the Toronto Raptors, something that was very much a question over the last six weeks or so. We'll get to that coming up in just one sec. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little bit further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? We live in Ontario. There's a lot of cool adventures to be had in Ontario. And our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. They have the class-exclusive Google built-in, and it's your always updating assistant to you to call on for almost anything gone are the days of connecting your phone google assistant google maps and google play store are built right into the 12.3 inch hd touchscreen infotainment system the 2024 rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover 
for your next adventure. And you want something a little bigger? There's a 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Room for up to eight people. Expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability. I recently just did a move. It would have been nice to have that advanced cargo capacity for when I was moving. With 284 horsepower and over 6,000 pounds of towing, when Adventure Calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. We round out the show here on your Friday, taking stock of the post-trade deadline Toronto Raptors with Zelfie Shake of Sportsnet. Uh, before we dive into the lineup stuff, just a heads up, Locked On Sports today, 24-7 is your all-day, 24-7 Locked On podcast stream on YouTube, Locked On national shows covering all the big stories. I think there's a big game this weekend of some persuasion. You can go listen to Locked On 49ers. Locked on Chiefs and all the other Locked on NFL shows covering the big game. And of course, all the NBA deadline stuff and the reactions will be flowing through over there on the 24-7 channel as well, among other big stories covered by our local experts. So go check it out. Subscribe. You'll be directed there right after you watch this on YouTube. So go subscribe when you get there. Okay, let's dive in here, Zelfie. I wanted to do a little exercise. The last little while, it's been hard to get any sort of continuity in terms of lineups. It's been a mismatch all over the place trades players in and out injuries etc etc we now know who's going to be on this team to close the season and that means we can start to get some like lineup data that matters and so wanted to do a little exercise here and just sort of spitball some lineups spitball put the names in the hopper pull five out each and just kind of talk about some groups that we're excited to see pretty informal we'll just go back and forth one for one I will give you the floor, Zelfie. What is one lot Raptors five-man lineup you are excited to watch now that the Raptors have their team for the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I think a real uh, simple one is just your core three, your barbecue. So you have Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Scotty Barnes. But then now with Kelly Olynyk in there, I would be interested to see what a Kelly Olynyk, Jakob Pertl, like front court looks like. Yeah. Just adding that size. I think something this team has locked defensively this entire season is versatility in terms of trying different things. And one of those options is going big. Uh, obviously, yep. Toronto hasn't been the most effective when it comes to rebounding and just securing the paint. We saw it in their last couple of games against Houston and New Orleans where they just couldn't really stop anything inside. So maybe having two bigger guys like uh, Kelly's almost seven feet tall. Yako's pretty big as well. And what that does in terms of having Scotty having to play a bit more perimeter-oriented game and how he adapts to that situation. So I think it'll be interesting. Having size and versatility, I think, is a good thing for Toronto. And having two big men down there who are both willing passers, can make good reads for the most part, and can try to add some like size in there, I want to see what that does for this team in terms of uh, continuity moving forward. I would imagine this is going to become kind of a hot debate among Raptors fans as to who should start in that fifth spot <laughs> next to the core three in Jakob Pertl. Yeah, And I think it'll be Gary Trent Jr. out of the gate, but... I kind of think Kelly Olynyk getting that starting gig would be pretty interesting. Where are you at as far as what you'd rather see as the starting lineup? Obviously, there's information to be gathered still about Trent and how he fits in with the Raptors' best players. Bobby Webster talked about this yesterday. He's very much a TBD guy, which is a very direct way of talking <laughs> about a player. I found that quite interesting from Bobby. Um, and then, obviously, Kelly Olynyk gives them more size. He can totally play the four offensively. Defensively, it might be a bit of a struggle, but uh, length is nice. The Raptors are a small team. Having that length to be good. Uh, where are you at as far as what you'd like to see be the starting lineup? You know, maybe not tonight against the Rockets, but as this back part of the season progresses. Yeah, uh, I think what I'd like to see as a starting lineup would be having uh, Kelly Olynyk in there. 
and having uh, Gary Trent Jr. come on. Do I think that's mm-hmm. realistic or what they do? Probably not. I think they want to try playing a game that spaces out as much as possible. So having Gary in there, not that like Kelly only can space the floor too, to be fair. But mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of having Kelly Olenek in there and just starting as big and as strong as possible. Something this Raptors team has been kind of not the best at is first quarters <laughs> and starting strong. So I think trying something different where you can kind of start with a simpler game, get inside, attack, let these like ball movers get involved, I think is good. And then you can space the floor with a Gary Trent Jr. kind of as you go along. Like if you're relying on this team to come out the gates in terms of spacing and shooting, I don't think that's the best strategy. Toronto still isn't a great shooting team. So I, I don't think- know, man. Kelly O's like 43% this season. You can't <laughs> well, <lose. laughs> Yeah, adding him, then maybe it changes it. And Gary Trent Jr. has been on fire too lately. But I think it's one of those things where – I want to start stronger and bigger and then kind of move as the game progresses. If you want to go small ball later on and kind of go into other type of rotations and strategies, that's one thing. But having a bunch of willing passers out there around Scotty, get RJ going downhill, which is when he's at his best, make it easier for Manuel quickly to start too. That's another thing. He's still a slow starter in a lot of these games and he's Mm -hmm. kind of figuring it out. So adding another passer to kind of help quickly get into a groove, I think will be important. And I think that's a it's, a it's a simpler way to get the younger guys moving a bit faster at the start of these games. Yeah, I mean, you put Olenek in for Trent, and all of a sudden, you know, considering the strides it seems R.J. Barrett's made as a passer, like you all of a sudden have five above-average passers in that starting yeah. lineup. You want to play Darko ball, that's the way to do it. So uh, I, am, uh, I think I'm with you. Give me Kelly O in the starting five. On that note of the Barnes-Barrett uh, quickly – Hurdle quartet. I talked about this on yesterday's show. Uh, to this point, they've played 224 possessions together per clean the glass. And in that time, a plus 4.9 net rating and 123 offensive rating. Very good stuff there. All but 73 of those possessions have come with either Pascal Siakam or Dennis Schroeder as the fifth guy. And Gary Trent Jr. is the only other guy to be a fifth guy with those four guys in a lineup. It's time for some new faces in there. It's time to try some new stuff out. And building off of the Olenek idea and the Gary Trent Jr. as the fifth guy, give me as much of Grady Dick as the fifth guy with that core four as you could possibly imagine. I want to see that. I want to see the spacing Dick can provide in that group. He offers a little bit more in terms of dynamism, I think, as like a downhill attacker than Gary Trent Jr. does just because of his size, his ability to get to the bucket a little more effectively than Gary can. Um, I think he's just like a better mover and sort of a better fit within the 0.5 Darko ball offense. And so uh, I am all in on Grady Dick playing with that group and frankly, you know, mix it up, throw all the different options in there to see who can work with those four. I think that's a pretty important testing ground. For the rest of the season it'll be interesting to see if those numbers hold up when it's not Schroeder or Siakam boying up a lot of those numbers <laughs> and it's different fifth guys I think the Olympic lineup will be pretty good so we'll see but uh what do you got for another lineup uh throw in my way here Zelfie we'll do maybe one more each yeah so I guess another lineup is it's centered around the idea of like a backup point guard because they have Bruce Brown Jr., I guess, to be their backup point guard. So who else works with that? I don't know if having just Bruce out there as an initiator or an offensive creator is the best strategy. You yep. probably have a Scotty Barnes out there with him. And then after that, I'm curious, where, like, where's Ochai fall in all this? We, have, we barely even talked yeah. about him, and he came back. So uh, I, I'm kind of cheating here, but I wanted to throw it back to you in terms of you sure. mentioned uh, Grady getting really involved, but like, there's only so many minutes to go around. So you have Grady, Ochai, and then Wara somewhere in there, potentially. 
And then there's still Jalen McDaniels in all of this, and I don't know how much he plays, <laughs> but uh, he's still technically. I mean, Darko seems to like him enough to to play. So I, I want I want to try to figure out with you this like when when Emmanuel quickly is off the floor, like how else is this team kind of configuring itself? I assume it's Scotty and Bruce together in some capacity, mm-hmm. but like what are we building around that? Yeah, because, you know, Scotty and Bruce together, it's a fine amount of shooting. Scotty obviously been totally fine as a catch-and-shoot guy this year. Bruce Brown is sort of just like a middling three-point shooter in general. Um, So you think you'd want shooting in there, which maybe precludes Abaji from being in there. But I actually think, you know, what the lineup I was about to throw out, I'm glad you threw this back. You know, we really, really, really detested Scotty with four bench guys to start this season. And I think a lot of it was because it was a weird four bench guys. It was Malachi Flynn, who's just not good. It was Precious (laughs) Achua, who's a weird fit. It was Chris Boucher, who's a weird fit, who's not played terribly well or wasn't playing terribly well in those looks. Gary Trent Jr. in the middle of a swoon. I wonder, I wonder if there is room to go and bust open the Scotty and four bench guys idea once again with Bruce Brown, with Grady Dick, with Ochai Abaji, and then Kelly Olenek as the, as the fifth, as the center. Um, might be light on defense, but the Raptors, I think, are just generally light on defense, so I don't know if that really matters. And it gives you the ability to play Scotty both with the ball in his hands as a point guard, with, with Bruce working, I guess, as the four in these constructions. It'll be pretty small, I guess. Or you have Bruce as your point guard, and you know Scotty more as like a screen-and-dive guy or a spot-up guy. And I think that's a perfectly fine way to use them as well. I'm not thrilled about the idea of not having at least two of Barnes, Barrett, Quickly, Pirtle on the floor at all times. I think they they have some you know flexibility with the skill sets those guys have to actually just have two of them on the floor at all times. But if you're going to go with four bench guys, I think that might be the way you get a Baji in there and might be a way to sort of navigate those minutes without Dennis Schroeder or a traditional backup point guard with Brown and, and Barnes and Olenek kind of carrying the day playmaking-wise. What do you think about that? No, I like that. I think it makes sense in terms of trying to split the minutes with the Scotty and Fort Bench guys. Trying it again with players that seem to fit his strengths a bit better. I think that's mm-hmm. definitely a more important way to go about it, a more successful strategy than how it was going before. Like you said, some weird fits in there. So that's definitely a way to get more of the minutes allocations in there. I, I think also like part of this that I find really interesting is that I got, yesterday night, I was kind of going over the line of trying to figure out things. And to me, this screams like some of these guys are going to be given added responsibility and whether sure. that's right or wrong is going to be one thing. But like, I think an RJ Barrett might be asked to create a bit more offensively. Ojai Baji was brought in here and traded for it, not just to kind of be a end of bench guy forever. They clearly want him to at least provide something defensively, taking on more responsibility. So in that lineup that you suggested, and you talked about the kind of the defensive weaknesses that they could have, they probably will try to lean on an Ochai in that sense to be like, Hey, we want you to, develop into a point of attack defender we want you to take guys so scotty can be that backline guy because when he's out there with his bench unit he has enough responsibility trying to create we don't want him to have to tire himself out by trying to guard people above the break versus he can just do what he's really good at which is helping behind the back and being a sweeper so i think those those lineups can work but then it's that thing where like they are really leaning on these guys to take on that extra responsibility in those situations but i think that's also a good thing it's a young team they're here to develop and that's that's part of it yeah so hmm. it'll be fun. It'll be fun for them to try different things and kind of adjust and see what's happening and get more people involved. Again, they have a lot of new guys to kind of acclimate. And now, with, especially with a guy like Bruce Brown, who knows he's going to be here at least the rest of the season, that's when continuity comes in. And I think 
that one of the biggest things that I saw from Darko is that once continuity was a thing for him and it started even the first half of the season, I personally thought he was getting stronger as things went on. He was a, he's a little slow to adjust at times, but continuity for him seems to really be an important factor. And now he'll get mm-hmm. some of that back. 100%. And, you know, I think to your point, yeah, like throw these guys to the fire, see what they can do. I think Abaji will fit in pretty nicely as like a 2-3 next to either Gary Trent Jr. or Grady Dick in those second line, second units just because he can offset their perhaps defensive deficiencies while they offset his more inconsistent three-point shooting. Um, he's a tricky guy to fit into lineups, I think, because the shooting has been so out at like up and down this season. Yeah. And, you know, just in general as a pro so far. But I, I think there's enough there for him to sort of offset what the other guys do and compliment pretty decently that I, I think they'll find minutes for him and it'll be all right. Do I want him being the fifth guy necessarily in that sort of core group? Maybe not, but uh, I think that's okay. Uh, my last suggestion is just a lineup where you go Bruce Brown, Gary Trent Jr. And then Barrett Boucher Olinick. the whole Canadian, just like put them all in there for the front court actually might be a pretty good way to use Boucher playing next to Kelly Olinick. Um, and you know, if you want to have Jordan war in there because he's an honorary Canadian and put him in for Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> being from Buffalo, that's also fine by me as well. Zolfi, feel like we've done a pretty good job covering yeah. all this. I'm sure the lineups will be totally different than what we predicted at all here <laughs> because that's how basketball lineups work. It's never as clean and crisp as you want it to be. But this podcast sure was. Thanks so much. It was lovely having you on your first episode. It will not be your last, I'm sure. Where can people find all your great work? Yeah, uh, like uh, you mentioned, Sean, at Sportsnet. I'm an associate edit- editor there and uh, just doing a bunch of work writing for the most part and contributing. I also do freelance work with Raptors Republic. And there's content on there as well, both video and writing. And yeah, on social media, at Zofi underscore Shake, that said U-L-F-I underscore S-H-E-I-K-H. I love interacting with people on social media and talking. As you know, Sean, I'm growing through this industry. I'm newer here, but very excited to be along. So thank you again for the opportunity. But yeah, reach out, talk, look at my stuff. That's all I ask for. <laughs> Hell yeah, look at his stuff. That's what we want here always thank you so much for tuning into the show we'll be back again on monday to talk about the first two games of your new look toronto raptors a back-to-back over the weekend against houston and i forget who they play saturday uh so that's fun and cleveland? then we'll uh cleveland oh god that's gonna be hard so. so they're very good <laughs> yeah. um either way hopefully you can beat houston without fred van vliet in the lineup tonight and not get absolutely waxed like they did last friday night <laughs> wouldn't that be a dream that would be nice um Either way, thank you so much for hanging out. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Go listen to yesterday's shows where we talked about the deadline. I also talked about the Hornets game, which everyone was clamoring for, that sweet, sweet Hornets game analysis. I'm sure you can listen to that, and we'll be back again Monday. Until then, thank you so much. Have a good one. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.